Welcome to Mental Healthy, where we share the stories and expertise of professionals working diligently in the field of mental health. I'm your host today, Dr. Kenyon Knapp. I've got a great guest here today in the studio, Grace Ann McCluskey. A little bit about her, and I'll have her share about herself. Grace Ann is a psychology major here at Liberty University. She's a senior. And the interesting thing is she's an author of a book, and I don't know about y'all, but there's not that many seniors in college who've already written their first book. I met her a while back, and I was just so impressed with her. I thought she'd be a great person to have here on the program. So, Grace, welcome here to the program. We're glad to have you today. Thank you so much. I'm really glad to be here. Tell us a little bit about yourself before we dive into the book and everything. Give us a little background on yourself. How did you come to be a person who was a senior in college <laughs> writing your first book? Well, I grew up on a farm out in Missouri, and story time was always a big thing in my house. And getting to act out those stories in our imaginative play the next day was always a big thing. So turning that into books themselves just it was kind of natural. I've wanted to write stories ever since I was junior in high school. It's just kind of grown and become more passionate. And I decided early on that I wanted to write and get published early. So that's kind mm -hmm. of how I came to be a senior in college with my first book out. I wanted to get started on this as quickly as possible. Well, that's great. So I guess stories are a part of your life. You've grown up with a lot of rich stories mm -hmm. and that sort of shaped your growing up period, I guess. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. There's so many different things that shape our childhood with the play that we have or their relationship with our families and the difficult situations that we all go through. For me, I grew up with a lot of really good, wonderful things on a farm, but I also had a lot of situations of illness in the family with my dad and my mom, just kind of one after another. And it was very hard to ever escape that entirely. Story really is what provided our family sanctuary and all of that. And it really allowed me a not so much escapism, from my reality, but more of a vision for what I wanted my future to be and what I wanted to help others with. So writing the book was almost a processing of what was going on in your life? Yeah, yeah, I definitely think it was. When I first started thinking of any stories to write, they always tended to focus around the same theme of a child who has personal things that she needs to work through. And none of it's particularly wrong. It's just a lot of hurt and a lot of damage. I think that's probably what a lot of people write from, personal yeah. experience and then Absolutely. insights they have. That was one of the things I wanted to ask you about, and that mm -hmm. you're sort of getting to it right now, which is great, yeah. but what prompted you to write the book? Was it just the hurts in your childhood, or was it the inspiration from authors that you read about? Undramatic and uncreative sort of a way, it was a contest. <laughs> yeah, I was presented with the opportunity to submit a short story for a 12-week devotional, and I decided that if it wasn't going to make the cut for the short story devotional, then I would publish it all on its own. And as the story just came out, and it actually came to coming up with something to submit to this contest, this one came very naturally. The devotional was a winter Christmas devotional, and so immediately snowy scenes are mm -hmm. what come to your head. And for me, the most iconic vision of snow would be C.S. Lewis's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Mm -hmm. uh, just that whole magical world that he created there. And that really is what kind of launched the whole scenery, the idea of help and support coming to a child in a snowy sort of a scene. 
Now, the listeners can't see it, unfortunately. Mm. Maybe we'll get a TV program here one of these days. But your book actually is reminiscent of C.S. Lewis and books like that. I'm holding the book in my hands now, and it's got a beautiful cover. And there's a lot of artwork on the inside of different (laughs) characters in the book and all that. So it has that same feel of, you mentioned C.S. Lewis. It has a C.S. Lewis look to it. Was C.S. Lewis one of the authors you read about when you were young? Yeah, C.S. Lewis was the top story writer that we would read. And I, we went through the whole Chronicles of Narnia several times uh-huh. and also read several of his other works. No matter what age children are, I come from a family of seven kids. So we had a very wide age range to yeah. try to cover and try to appeal to. And Chronicles of Narnia always did it. We were always completely enraptured with his work. And I don't know if we mentioned yet, but the title of the book is The Winter Elf. And and you mentioned the winter scenes earlier and all that. So I guess that was part of it. Tell the listeners a little bit about who do you think would benefit from this book? We've got a lot of different people listening to this program. We've got psychologists, counselors, social workers, marriage and family therapists, pastoral counselors, lots of people in the behavioral science field. Is it a certain demographic you're aiming for? I would say that the most important people that it can reach would be parents. I want to be able to help parents learn how to do the things that psychologists and counselors and all the pastoral counselors, that what they do in helping guide people through their problems. If I, I can help psychologists and the people who are in this field professionally, if I can help them kind of learn to approach it in more of a creative way, that's mostly what I'm aiming towards there. So families, children providing an opportunity for children and their parents to be able to bond and learn how to process things. That's something where a lot of people don't really know how to properly process. Yeah, Bad things happen and it's very, very overwhelming and everyone freaks out and then the crisis is over and you just kind of go, okay, I guess back now it's real life. It's fine. We don't need to really worry about it anymore. Things you've got so much that's just hanging on you from all of that. If I can try to hit parents with this the most... That would be the best. And I think anyone who's studied psychology or counseling to any degree mm-hmm. will be able to recognize some of the different tactics in there. And they might be able to use it in their practice mm-hmm. in introducing the child to the book and therefore introducing the family to it. So this is sort of like a supplemental book that therapists all over America could use with their clients. Oh, yes. yes. Yeah. And if they've got a child, per se, who's going through a difficult time, some kind of loss or grief mm-hmm. or something, they could maybe get a copy of this and have their client or parent read it with their child. Yeah. That is really cool because I don't know too many books out there that are like that. (laughs) It's sort of a neat little niche. And you use the word process a few times there. Mm -hmm. I heard that. Is that what a lot of the book does? When a parent reads it to their child, would you say that one of the goals is to help the parent process whatever the child's issues are? Is that one of the goals of the book? The goal is more to help the child process their issues. Children will go through situations that are very traumatic, and parents generally try to kind of help the child calm down as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. And if the child isn't talking about the traumatic situation anymore, then great, they're not going to talk about it anymore. They're happy. And if the kid's having nightmares, then try to shush the nightmare, or you you, you can sleep in bed with me for tonight, something like that. But The child never actually gets the opportunity to revisit the events Mm -hmm. and talk about them. So I think the child getting to hear a story of a child who is their age, who is processing traumatic situations and grief, 
and getting to see how you can talk about it and also how you can act on it as well to help make sense of things and figure out how to move forward and how to deal with this. Mm-hmm. That's the bigger goal is to be able to help kids understand that. And as kids start to understand it a little bit, it opens up the floor for conversation between parent and child. That makes total sense. I mean, I think about all the people listening who work with parents and all, and you're right. So many times if somebody gets upset, the goal is to calm them down, not mm-hmm. to work through whatever the issue is. And of course, most of the therapists try to work through the issues, but many times it's the parent who's closer to yeah. the child that has a stronger ability to work yes. through it. Because us as therapists, you know, we meet a child somewhere. They don't know us. We mm-hmm. don't know them very well. You try to build rapport, but it takes time. Yeah. But I guess with the parent, the parent, there's already that trusting relationship. Yeah. And the parent can be very therapeutic. That's sort of what I see this book doing is you're helping parents be more therapeutic with their children. Yes. Yeah. Which is so cool. And of course, it's like a win-win for parents. Then. Mm-hmm. They get to be the therapeutic one. Yeah. <laughs> or you show them how to be the therapeutic yes, one. Yes, yeah. There's a really rich storyline in this book, folks. You, mm-hmm. you all have got to get a copy of it. There's a really neat little plot about these characters and all. We'll talk about the characters mm-hmm. in a second. It reminds me, in Scripture, there's lots of cases where Jesus uses parables to teach people. Yeah. And, you know, he could just give them the punchline of the joke and mm-hmm. say, here's the lesson, you know. But... You know, a lot of times that's harder for people to digest yeah. and understand. If you sort of tell them a story, it gives them a chance to sort of chew on it in yeah. their brain and figure it out and then sort of compare it to themselves. And mm-hmm. and it sort of feels like that's what you do in this book with mm-hmm. children. Yeah, I think that's very much what I sort of accidentally ended up doing. <laughs> yeah. was, the goal was to write a story and the goal was to be able to provide uh, devotional for people and provide something that allows people to think and mull over things. But yeah, as it keeps going, you realize what power story really has. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why, I mean, we remember the parables very well, and we make movies and TV episodes and books and stories all based off of the parables. You don't really get a whole lot of those based off of a single punchline lesson that Jesus taught. That's stories true. stick with us, and they really impact us. It's true. Jesus certainly taught through parables most of the time instead yeah. of just giving us the deep, heavy-duty yep. lesson. It was... Yeah. We probably need that process to get there, to get that insight. Well, let's dive into the book a little bit. We don't want to give it away because it's such a neat book. We couldn't do it justice in this short of a program. (laughs) But tell us a little bit about the storyline and what are some of the messages you hope to convey in the book and whatever part of the storyline you want to share. Give the listeners a feel for what the book is about. Well, the story follows a little girl named Clara Rose. She's trying to figure out how she's supposed to fit in to the situation her family is in right now where her mom has been in the hospital for the past month and it's during the holidays. And amidst all the bustle and the craziness, the little girl is finding herself overlooked and overwhelmed in all of this and she's not really sure how can she, an eight-year-old child, pitch in and make things better. What she does figure is that she can maybe try to keep quiet, try to give him one less thing to worry about And so she doesn't say any of her fears that she's feeling throughout all of this. So that's the premise of the story. But what Clara Rose ends up happening upon is an elf that shows up in her backyard. Mm -hmm. And through a night of conversation and action, the little girl learns the importance of moving towards her grief, kind of doing the opposite of what feels comfortable in terms of our grief and our pain, moving towards it to receive healing. Very wintry Christian themes in it. Mm-hmm. but not overtly Christian. I really wanted to be able to keep the audience broad and not close off anybody. It's winter. 
but there are no holidays specifically mentioned either, so it's not even necessarily a Christmas book. It's one that can technically work year-round if you like reading books about snow. And it hits on a lot of themes that kids can relate to or parents and therapists can relate to. Absolutely. So, yeah. so this little girl, Clara Rose, you said her name yes. was? Yes. She basically sort of becomes wallpaper, per se, to cope with Very much. the struggles in her life. And somehow through the book, she learns to handle it differently than being wallpaper. Yeah. I guess you're sort of teaching the therapy process to people yeah. through the book yeah. with an example of Clara Rose, which, you know, so many people out there these days want to be a therapist, <laughs> whichever discipline <laughs> yeah. it's in. It's all so mysterious and there's talk shows on TV about these therapists getting on and all. People certainly sort of mystify therapy, but it seems yeah. like you sort of take this story that a lot of people could relate to with a lot of different clients and situations. It's vague enough. I think you can mm -hmm. apply it to different Mm -hmm. other scenarios yeah. besides a mom in a hospital. She changes somehow from being wallpaper to something else. Mm -hmm. Could you share just a tidbit about how she changes? Because I know everyone's going, oh, you're giving us a piece of it. But give us a, just a tidbit of, of how she changes in Ooh. the process. That's hard to do without giving away the okay. whole resolution. Ultimately, I think she starts to realize that action can be taken and it can be taken in small ways. You don't have to be the doctor to fix the situation. Uh -huh or a parent or a grown-up, you can do things in small ways that are helpful and proactive to yourself and to your emotions. The same also to others and their emotions and can help bring a family together and provide a central point of connection mm -hmm. amidst all of the chaos of that trauma ensues. Well, you're right. I mean, part of trauma is feeling like you're helpless. Yes. Like yeah. something bad happens to you and there's nothing you can do. It's just yeah. the whole world is collapsing on you. But there are things people can do. Mm -hmm. You take me back to so many different therapy books over the years. I think about Viktor Frankl and Man's Search for Meaning. Oh, yeah. And in that book, he talked about how, you know, in the worst situations, like in the concentration mm -hmm. camps, he learned that he could control his response to the, yes. the concentration camps. Yes. And it, it's that choice that you still always have mm -hmm. in the worst situations that's part of your book. Now, I see the cutest little stuffed animal sitting here <laughs> in the studio. I think this is part of the book. Did you want to share a little bit about this character you have sitting here? Yeah, yeah. So one of the characters in the book that you will meet and hopefully fall in love with as much as I have is Randall the Rabbit. And I have here a little stuffed animal of him, and he follows me everywhere. I keep him on my nightstand and... He is the symbol of Clara Rose's change mm -hmm. and the means by which she comes to a new understanding of grief. So I wanted to be able to provide readers with their own little Randall to be able to keep in their room. He's not available quite yet, but eventually once the book is released, Randall will be there along with it and people can bring him into their home. That's really good. I mean, having a physical reminder connected yes. to the book is so good. Over the years, there's been things like that that I've seen be so helpful. Mm -hmm. Like, I know a number of therapists over the years used the book Hind's Feet on High Places. Yeah. And how the person takes their struggles and, mm -hmm. and then they become gems and things yes. like that. And it's similar to that, but it's such a cute little character. <laughs> is this uh, like a prototype of what you're hoping to develop or is this the exact character? This is him. This oh, is, really? yeah, this is Randall. <laughs> wow. Well, I'll just have to tell all the listeners this is the cutest little character, little bunny rabbit. And definitely a lot of kids would really love him. That's going to be really neat when that comes out. But are there any other places where people could read about the book 
I think you mentioned at one point a website or something like that. Yes. The book is available on thewinterelf.com. And on there, you can learn a little bit about me and what other people have been saying about the book. You can get the synopsis of the book on there. There is also the opportunity to be able to download three free coloring pages of different characters from the book. I've got a coloring page of Randall and a few of the other characters as well. So it's a pretty cool website, and eventually we hope to continue expanding it and providing more resources for people there. That's great. A lot of ancillary resources to help help mm-hmm. the book along and, yeah. and also therapeutic resources as well. Because yeah. I know a lot of therapists use art therapy and mm-hmm. things like that to help clients process as well. Yeah. That's a really neat, neat feature. Well, I want to go back to one question I touched yeah. on with you earlier about what you hope to accomplish through the book. Yeah. You mentioned so far that you hope to help people learn to process grief and trauma rather than just sort of shut it down per se. Yeah. Are there any other messages that you'd want listeners to get from the book? I want to get rid of the stigma around therapy. Mm -hmm. It's getting better (laughs) here now, but it's still very difficult. And even as maybe the stigma might be getting better, people aren't so judgmental, people still don't know how to properly integrate therapeutic practices into their everyday life. And a lot of the times when we're stressed and anxious or depressed, we tend to do the exact opposite of what's helpful. And it pains me to see the people who push their pain off so far to the point of needing to go to therapy. Yeah. If they knew how to properly handle it in the beginning, when it first started out, could they may have saved themselves a lot of heartbreak. So what I really want is with the Winter Elf is for children to be able to grow up learning how to properly handle traumatic situations and how to properly handle grief and anxiety and all those different struggles that are so common in everybody's life. By learning how to handle that at a young age, Mm -hmm. then as they continue to get older and as more and more stressful things happen in their life, they already be equipped with the tools to be able to handle them. And you don't have to go pushing it off to the point of needing therapy. Yeah. Well, you're right. You're starting them off as children on the right foot yes. with how to process difficulties because they're going to happen to all of us. Exactly. Yeah, it's unavoidable. And everyone's story is different, but mm-hmm. we all have junk in our lives. <laughs> That's a great lesson. And it makes me think, I have other guests on this program sometimes who talk about addictions and things yeah. like that. And it reminds me that if people don't deal with their pain and they don't process it and yeah. not run from it like you're talking about, people will just do mood altering behaviors. Yes. You know, whether it's cocaine or alcohol or some other mm-hmm. behavior or substance. Yeah. And they get into all kinds of addictions to sort of dull the pain instead of really dealing with it. So what you're talking about is certainly one of the benchmarks of therapy. And yeah. We're getting near the end of the program here. So wow. I'd like to ask everyone, is there anything else I've not mentioned yet? Because <laughs> I always leave out something good and I have all these interesting people in the program like yourself. And anything I haven't asked you yet about the book that you'd like the listeners to hear before we wrap it up for the day? Ultimately, it's, it's a cool book. It's got a great story. It's got some really lovable characters in it. Most importantly, it's something that I'll be able to help children and help the next generation be able to raise up healthier individuals and be able to provide preventative therapy for people without even realizing it and be able to teach parents how to parent and how to tell stories. I suppose that is one of the things Mm -hmm. in the book is in the beginning is the letter to grownups. And the whole point of that is to teach parents how to 
tell a story. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't have to just do with you know, making it up. That's how do you use your body and your face and your voice? And how do you set up the atmosphere? If you want to be able to provide children with a situation where they're going to be able to talk openly about things that they've been keeping shut up for a long time, mm-hmm. you have to make sure that the atmosphere is set up for that. I mean, that's one of the first things that therapists need to know. They need to make sure that they try to make a safe atmosphere as possible. So teaching parents a few of those little tips in there as well, I think, can help us be able to be there for our children in more active ways. To really have that nurturing, safe environment. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm sure it'll do all of that. And I'm excited for you. Thank um, you. So I want to thank you for coming on the program today. It's been great having you. In the meantime, y'all go out and get a copy of The Winter Elf. Mm-hmm. And it's on her website, thewinterelf.com. And it's going to be coming to all those big box stores and all the websites, Amazon and everything else. So thanks for being with us today, Grace. And it's good to meet you. You too. Absolutely. I've had a lot of fun here. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Mental Healthy. Please be sure to subscribe for more episodes and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. You can find this podcast on all your favorite podcast platforms. We hope you join us next time for more on Mental Healthy. Music for this podcast is licensed under Creative Commons by Excel Music Publishing at freemusicpublicdomain.com. Thank you.